question for you guys. Are we ever going to get back to that whole dress up for work thing the way we used to? I don't know. But one thing I do know is it is time to get out of those PJs and those grungy t-shirts. And we need to give ourselves an upgraded, but still super comfy wardrobe that makes us smile and ideally makes our coworkers, our friends, and our family smile as well. I have so many friends that I've wanted to send little pick-me-ups to, to let them know it's all good. And that includes you. So that's why I created Grown Up Gear, a fun line of t-shirts, sweats, pillows, mugs, totes, and more that I guarantee will give you and everyone that you're Zooming with all day long a good giggle. Grown Up Gear is about saying the things out loud that we tell ourselves silently, like when you wake up and you look in the mirror and you think, I can't believe I'm a grown-up either. Or maybe you just want to be honest that you are still a grown-up in progress. Or you want to send a gift congratulating a friend for paying off their debt. The most comfy sweatshirts, t-shirts, tote bags, mugs, pillows, and more. Give it to yourself or your favorite grown-up or almost grown-up friend. Go to grownupgear.com to check it out. For discount codes and sales, follow us on Instagram at our new handle, at grownupgear, and DM us with any questions. And thank you, because by supporting Grown Up Gear, you help support this free podcast. When I would get speaking engagements, I would allow her to open the checks when they came, because I wanted her to see that there are different ways to make income, and certain ways pay more than others. So she had, because I didn't have a broad scope of like what I could be. So she would open it and say like $500 and then it became 10,000. And then, so when I got like a $1,500 check, she'd be like, it's only 1,500. I'm like, only 1,500? Because maybe the one before was 10,000. So I let her see that because I wanted her to see that different things that I did paid a different amounts of money. You're listening to Financial Grown Up with me, certified financial planner, Bobby Rebel author of how to be a financial grown-up. And you know what? Being a grown-up is really hard, especially when it comes to money. But it's okay. We're going to get there together. I'm going to bring you one money story from a financial grown-up, one lesson, and then my take on how you can make it your own. We got this. Okay, grown-ups, how many of you had parents who had you open up their paychecks? Definitely not me, but our financial grown-up this week, Tiffany Aliche, known as the Budget Nista, didn't just do that. She talked to her bonus daughter about all the money stuff, not just the paychecks that she was allowing her to open as early as age seven. She talked to her about the taxes, the business deductions, the negotiations, the side hustles, the net profit, and so much more. These ladies do business plans in their sleep. Welcome everyone to the Financial Grown-Up Podcast. So glad you guys are here. We talk with high-achieving grown-ups about money stories that inspire their lives and the lessons from them. And this week's Financial Grown-Up, Tiffany Aliche, is truly next level. I joke with her that while most books these days are Money 101, hers, Get Good With Money, is Money 201 because she holds her readers to a higher standard and goes into the real grown-up stuff. Not surprising given her background in teaching preschool where she sets kids as young as three up for success. You'll hear what she has to say about what kids that age should hear when they say, buy me. She pulls no punches. Tiffany has a thriving business teaching money skills to thousands of dream catchers and co-hosts the Brown Ambition podcast 
with Mandy Woodruff. But as you will hear, this mega entrepreneur, wife, and mother's biggest accolades may in fact come from the lessons she is teaching her stepdaughter. Here is the budget nista, Tiffany Aliche. Tiffany Aliche, the budget nista, you are a financial grown up. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much, Bobby, with an I. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And congratulations on your book. I'm going to hold it up here, even though no one can see it, just because I feel good holding it up because I love the cover. Your book is Get Good with Money 10 Simple Steps to Become Financially Whole. We're going to talk about it more later in the podcast, but give us just high level what it's about. It's about financial wholeness, which is when these 10 core aspects of your financial life grow together and meld together to create the strongest financial foundation possible so you can build any financial house you want on top of it. And I love when you read the book, you go along and you get like percentages. You feel like you're building to get to that 100%, which is great. Like I said, we're going to circle back to the book. But first, I want to ask you your money story. And it has to do with your bonus baby, your daughter, your 14-year-old stepdaughter. She was seven when you came into her life. Mm -hmm. And you had some interesting discussions about money. Tell us how your money conversations began and how they've evolved. So they began because I just noticed that her father, every time we would go out like shopping, food shopping or whatever, she would always get like a toy or something. And at first I was like, did she get good grades today? Is it her birthday? And I noticed that she just came to expect that if we're going someplace random, I'm going to get something. And I told them, this is not the best way to, to raise a financially savvy grown up. So I told him instead, let's put her on a budget so we can give her the words. So she would get like birthday money or Christmas money. And so I would tell her to save it. I got her little piggy bank. And before we would go someplace, I would say, because I call her Supergirl, her, that's her nickname, because I call her her father, my husband, Superman. So I would say, Supergirl, you know, you know, we're going to Target today. What's your budget? And she asked me, like, what does that mean? I'm like, the amount of money that you have to spend. And she would say, I don't know, whatever daddy gives me. I'm like, no, no, it's in your piggy bank. So she would go and be like, oh, okay, I've got $5. I'm like, you can bring it with you. What do you want to do? And she's like, I'd bring it with me. What he realized, because at first he thought that I was pulling back and giving, she would feel like I was coming in and she was getting less stuff. But what he didn't realize, what I knew as an educator and a preschool teacher for over 10 years is that kids love autonomy. What she loved even more than saying, get what you want. No, not that. No, 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 not that. Is here's your budget. It's $5. Get what you want as long as it's kid appropriate. Because now she had the power. There was no, no, not that. She loved comparing prices. This is $4.99. This is $3.32. If I get this and this. And so we would have those conversations all the time. I can remember the first time she learned about tax, something was exactly $4.99 and she had $5. I knew there was going to be tax. I didn't say anything till we got to the register and they told her like, you know, $5.12. And she was like, I don't, I don't have 12 cents. I was like, well, things have tax. Taxes are used to build like your school and the roads. And so we pay them to make our state and our city better. And I remember she being like, oh, do I have to put it back? And so thankfully the lady behind, I had 12 cents, obviously, but the lady behind the counter thought it was so adorable and gave her 12 cents. But she started to learn like, oh, so now when she was buying her favorite place of staples, she was buying her favorite gel pens or markers or, or coloring pencils that she knew, okay, she called me Tiffy when she was little. Tiffy, you know, how much is the tax going to be? Because she wanted to integrate that into what her choices were. And now she's a super savvy boss. When my book came out and they sent me them in the mail, Penguin Random House, my publisher, she saw them and she jumped up and down. She said, can I have one? And I thought she just wanted to keep it. But I heard her tell her little girlfriend on the phone, like, girl, 
My stepmother's book came in. I'm about to get my money all the way together. <laughs> so she has just become like super savvy. She now does work for me at the Budgetista. My sister's my publicist. She does work for, with my sister. You should see her mapping out how much she wants to make. She actually has like a map on her wall of what she wants to make, what she wants to get with it. We elevated her to a piggy bank when she was 10 for saving giving and spending. So now she knows every time she gets money, she has to put it into those three categories. So she has just grown into this like super savvy major budget Nista. And I'm proud of her because it all started when she was seven and I taught her what a budget was. And you also were very brave in that you were transparent with your money coming in and the costs associated with running a business. Tell us a little bit about why you did that because many parents hold back. We all hold back secret. Not, I don't know if secrets is the right word, but we, we're not transparent with our money, certainly to young people. And that was an interesting decision. Yeah. So I used to allow her when I would get speaking engagements, I would allow her to open the checks when they came because I wanted her to see that there are different ways to make income and certain ways pay more than others. So she had, a, cause I didn't have a broad scope of like what I could be. So she would open it and say $500. And then it became 10000 And then so when I got like a $1,500 check, she'd be like, it's only $1,500. i am like, only $1,500? Because maybe the one before was 10000 So I let her see that because I wanted her to see that different things that I did paid different amounts of money. And I remember, I think she was like in like fifth or sixth grade and she had to interview someone she admired. And she chose me because she wanted to be an entrepreneur. She wasn't sure what she wanted to be. I mean, she sold lip gloss. She's made friendship bracelets. (laughs) She's done a bunch of different. Now she's got a YouTube channel. Um, Now she's teaching adults how to use TikTok. It's like she's got a bunch of different businesses going. But I remember when I realized she was really getting it because she was still young, maybe eight or nine. And I explained to her how taxes worked. She heard me talking to her father about taxes. She asked me what they were. And I told her similar to sales tax, taxes are when you pay some of the money that you earn to the government so they can use it to make our country better. And I said, but when you're an entrepreneur, taxes work differently. Like when I was a teacher, I told her before I even get my paycheck, the government takes their taxes. She was like, that's unfair. I'm like, many would say so. (laughs) But I said, but as an entrepreneur, like when you see those paychecks, Supergirl, I get all my money. Then I can use that money to grow and maintain the business. And what's left over, I pay taxes on. That's why you see me save the receipts. I save the receipts so I can show the government, hey, I spent money to run my business. She had a bag one day and it was like 15 different receipts. And I'm like, well, what are these from? She's like, these are receipts so you give to the government so you can show them that she spent money on the business. And I was like, well, they have to be receipts for my business. But the fact that at eight or nine that she was thinking like that was just really transformative. I was a school teacher before I started the Budget Nista. I've seen firsthand that a lot of parents think that it's not age appropriate to teach financial education to kids. Like it's inappropriate not to. There are ways to do it in a way that's appropriate as young as three, because typically by three or four or five, kids start to say, mommy, daddy, auntie, uncle, can you buy me? Not just can I have. So once you hear that word buy, they've already made the connection between stuff and money. You want to make sure it's the right connection. What is the lesson from your money story? The lesson from my money story is it is important to teach kids in a teachable moment when you have the opportunity. It's important to teach kids about money in real time. Make it meaningful for them. You know, whether it's their favorite store and you explain how their $10 can only get but so much. 
you know, do it consistently and don't bring shame into it or judgment. I never made her feel bad about she didn't have enough or we don't have that kind of money. You know, it's important. So teach your children, make it age appropriate, be consistent and keep it positive. So brilliant. You brought with you an everyday money tip that has to do with paper towels? Yes. Tell us. Tell us. This is great. <laughs> so when I was a kid, I was quite clumsy as I am now. And I would spill stuff all over the floor. Like my favorite was some kind of red juice on some sort of like light colored carpet or, or couch. And my dad, I am very much like him, is a natural fusser. You spill something. Oh my goodness. My, my dad is, and mom were born in Nigeria. My goodness. You spilled again. We don't have juice. We don't have money to be cleaning carpets. So, you know, you're like all flustered. And my mom, when you spilled something, would just get up and hand you a paper towel. And I remember thinking, because I'm very much like my father, I would fuss at myself when I made mistakes. But I remember thinking, you know what? After daddy finishes fussing, he hands me a paper towel. So why go through that middle anxiety, you know, and, and, and fussing and judgment? Why can't we just get to the paper towel? And I really took that as a metaphor for life that I want to be a paper towel person, especially when it comes to my money. I spent too much on my credit card. Oh my goodness, Tiffany. No, go get the paper towel. You know what? I'm going to put the credit card in my desk at home. I'm going to use the snowball method to pay it off. I'm going to automate it. That's the paper towel. Being a paper towel person means that you're solution focused, solution oriented. You skip over the fussing because honestly, you got to give yourself the grace and the space to make mistakes and to find those solutions. So be the paper towel. Skip the drama, find the solution. Let's talk about this book because it is. this is a substantial book. Again, it's called Get Good With Money. One of my favorite things is you say something that has become somewhat controversial. In this age where we are so focused on automating things, and some things should be automated, absolutely. We should automate our savings and things like that. But just because something like certain apps can automate investing, doesn't mean you don't need the human touch. You really advocate for having a human involved. Tell us more about the belief and why we need to be more cognizant of it. No, absolutely. Because there's nuance with human beings that you don't get from just automating everything. And also too, it's really from people that you learn, right? So if everything is automated and you automate your investments, that's great, but you don't really learn why something works. That's why we have teachers, because it's through these teachers that you get to really learn why something works and how it works. It's critically important, depending on where you are in life, that you have actual people who have been there, done that to lean into, whether it's a CFE, whether it's an accountant, you may or may not need one, whether you might need an insurance agent, you might need an attorney, it all depends. But at the very least, I tell people to get themselves an accountability partner, someone that you can travel the financial journey with. It might be your work mom, it might be your sister, your cousin, but someone that you can link with, that you can kind of share the struggles, that you can get accountability and an encouragement from, and someone who can help to normalize the process. I think human beings work best in community, and it's not something that goes away just because we're talking about money. I read so many books, Tiffany, and Many of them are very good, but they're very much money 101. This is, I feel, more money 201. You're a former teacher. Well, you're really still a teacher, let's be honest. <laughs> you hold people to a higher standard. You go into some much more sophisticated topics, but in an accessible way. Tell us about that decision to be a little bit more challenging and to be a little more ambitious with this book. 
Well, as a teacher, Bobby, one of the things that we really learned is something called differentiated learning, that people learn differently. So literally when I taught, I had kids ages just turned three to turn five. So that's like high school and college in the same classroom. So I really had to learn how do I teach something in a way that doesn't offend the five-year-olds and they don't get bored and start tearing up the classroom or is not too heavy for the three-year-olds so they don't start tearing up the classroom. (laughs) And so I really mastered how do I speak to different ranges of folks. So the first five steps in financial wholeness, get good with money, are really the foundational, right? Budgeting, debt, credit, savings, um, learning to earn. But the next five really are deeper dive. So that's how I address that. I was like, okay, if you have that great super foundation, then here's where you're going to learn how to invest for retirement and wealth. Here's when you're going to learn how to make sure you get good with insurance, your net worth, getting your money team and estate planning. And so I spoke to both of those levels by including both of them in the book. But I wanted to make sure that even if you're like, you know, I've got the super foundation that they're... I really did deeper dives so you could learn something new, even if you were pretty good there. Or if you were ready to go to the next level and it was new to you, I really explained it in such a way that even if investing was new to you, that you could really learn. You did a great job. Where can people learn more about you and be in touch? So you can learn more about me. I'm The Budgetista on all social media platforms and you can keep in touch and get the book at getgoodwithmoney.com. Thank you so much. Thank you. Okay, my friends, here's my take. Financial grown-up tip number one. As I've aged, I have grown to appreciate something that Tiffany touches on, the limitations of robo-advisors and robo-everything. Yes, you will likely have to pay a human to give you advice, and people who are good at their job are well worth paying. And yes, some humans are unethical and will sell you things you don't need. So it is buyer beware. But robo-advisors work on algorithms and fancy formulas and so on. And there's a lot of good there, but robos can't read into who you really are, what actually matters to you and have a conversation that might bring up financial needs, financial wants, maybe even that you didn't realize you had the nuances in our lives that sometimes don't come out in a questionnaire. It's chapter nine. Read more about what Tiffany has to say about getting humans involved. Financial grown-up tip number two. Don't sit your kids down and have a formal lecture about money. Do it in the moment, like Tiffany said, because it is in that moment that the lesson will be real, relatable, and most of all, memorable. Okay, my friends, April is Financial Literacy Month, and I'm giving away a ton of incredible money books, including Tiffany's. Want one? All you have to do is DM me on Instagram at BobbyRebel1 and just say, I'd love a book from a financial grown-up. The authors that are on this podcast and their publishers are incredibly generous, and I can't wait to send out lots and lots of books. And by the way, I was so honored to have the Financial Grown-Up Podcast on Real Simple's list of the top 10 best finance podcasts for beginners, investors, and everyone, along with Tiffany and Mandy's Brown Ambition Podcast and many more really fantastic shows. I'll share the article in the show notes, which you can see on my website, bobbyrebell.com. And I hope you'll make the time to check out some of the other great money podcasts on the list. Big thanks to Tiffany Aliche, the budget nista, for teaching us all how to be financial grownups. This 
the Financial Grown-Up Podcast is a production of BRK Media. The podcast is hosted by me, Bobby Rebel, but the real magic happens behind the scenes with our team. Steve Stewart is our editor and producer, and Amanda Savin is our talent coordinator and content creator. So yeah, that means she does the show notes you can get for every show right on our website and all the fantastic graphics that you can see on our social media channels. Our mission here at Financial Grown Up is to help you be at your financial best in every stage of life. And this year, we want to help you get there by giving away some of our favorite money books. To get yours, make sure you are on the grown up list. Go to bobbyrebell.com to sign up for free. While you're there, please check out our grown up gear shop and help support the show by buying something to express your commitment to being a financial grown up. Stay in touch on Instagram at bobbyrebell1 and on Twitter at Bobby Rebel. You can email us at hello at financialgrownup.com. And if you enjoy the show, please tell a friend and maybe leave a review on Apple Podcasts. It only takes a couple minutes. Join us next time for more stories to help you live your best grown-up life.